Welcome to Ask the Pastors, a segment of the West Hills podcast, where you have the opportunity to ask your questions and receive biblically grounded, pastorally sensitive answers from your pastoral staff. My name is Brian. I'm your host and one of the pastors on staff here. I'm joined by Pastor Thad. Hey, everyone. And lead pastor Will. Hey, everyone. And in this episode, we'll be addressing a question submitted by an anonymous listener. The question is, in response to the sermon on church, are the faith traditions, like monks, groups who intentionally seek a solitary life, are they pursuing a non-biblical version of holiness? I.e., is it wrong to seek holiness separate from the world and church? Guys, that's a great question. Yeah. Yeah. Thad, do you want to start us off? I would love to. A uh, little bit of context for where this question is coming from. At the beginning of 2023 in a sermon series, uh, just resolutions talking about uh, beginning the year, an emphasis on the importance of gathering with the body, being with the body, the importance of coming to church to partake in all of those good things, the Lord's ordinances. And so this question is coming in response to, so if it's so important to gather with other Christians, how do we think about monks intentionally withdrawing from the world, from the church to be excluded to be isolated by themselves. And and I think at, at the core, uh, I would say I would make an argument for they are not pursuing a biblical understanding of what the Christian life is. That sometimes we talk about Christianity is always personal. It's about our personal relationship with God and his saving work in our lives, but it's never private. It's never just mm-hmm. about us that once we receive salvation, we are then brought into the family of God with other believers that then has an effect on our relationship with Christians as well as those who are not Christians. So I think as a whole, I would push against a monastic lifestyle and so that doesn't mean that there aren't good things about that and at the end we'll kind of close with some some helpful things that we can learn from a monastic lifestyle but I would push back first and foremost and say I don't know how um, one can read the scriptures and hear Jesus talking about how you are to be in the world, that you are left here, that you are to be physically present, yes, set apart from the world, living a holy and righteous life, but God has left us here on earth to carry out his great commission. How can one who is living as a monk intentionally separating themselves from what they would consider worldly living corruption to work on their own personal holiness without having correct care and concern for the spiritual state and souls of those around us Mm -hmm. that i think it's a an ignoring of jesus's command to all believers to go therefore and make disciples of all nations that you're Mm -hmm. rejecting that and you're saying that's not for me Mm -hmm. i would also push and say monasteries are not churches 
there could be others who have different opinions, but we're called, yes, to gather with believers. But as the New Testament portrays, that that looks like gathering with other believers in the local church. Uh, We have all of these um, statements about how we are to love other believers, to be with them, to care for them. How do you practice church discipline in a monastery? Uh, Thoughts on baptism, Lord's Supper. Uh, So I would really push back on this idea of monastic lifestyle because, one, I think it rejects a correct understanding of the Great Commission. Uh, there are some monastic lifestyles that promote doing really good things, and I think that's great. Good works producing um, through caring for individuals, opening up. But I guess my real question about this would be, what's the purpose of becoming a monk? Is it to try and per- perfect myself? Is it to desire to follow a certain set of rules? Is it a desire to remove myself from temptation? And all of those things are good things that we should pursue after. We should desire to grow in our sanctification. We should desire to resist temptations, but removing ourselves from other believers in the local church context can actually harm us more than it helps us, that we can grow in our our knowledge, if you want to say that. We're going to live a monastic life so we can l- learn tons about God, but what does that do for us if we're not sharing that with other people, that our, our faith can grow stagnant in that way? Um, so I think that those are some of my initial thoughts uh, on it, Pastor Wool. Yeah, I think um, those are all really good thoughts. That, and I agree. I think with pretty much all of that. Um, and my initial uh, um, reaction to the question, I think, is very much the same as yours. Like where my mind immediately goes is to the Great Commission, and I like how you ended there with. Kind of asking really the the big question. Okay, what 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 is the purpose and the point of monasticism? What is the goal here? Um, you know, because on the one hand, it, it very much could, from the outside, look like uh, a pretty self indulgent in mm-hmm. some ways. I mean, as much as it's an aesthetic or a uh, totally. ascetic ascetic movement of of self denial. You know, um, in other ways, I mean, it's kind of like Tim Keller's. Uh, definition of of pride is not necessarily thinking more of yourself; it's thinking of yourself more. You know, it's and so you can be a mm-hmm. monk and constantly be renouncing your sin and thinking about you know stripping away all your your worldliness or whatever. But really, you know, if the if you're thinking about yourself more, um, is that is that really the point? But mm-hmm. I guess mm-hmm. to to even give the benefit of the doubt there and say, okay, even in the best case scenario where the purpose of monasticism really is intended to be to leave away all the trimmings and trappings of worldliness to focus exclusively on God, not yourself, on God. It's a pursuing of God. Even in that, uh, in that scenario, to your point that like, um, what does it mean to pursue God? I, 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 th- I think we obviously we have to go to God's word to hear from him about how he desires to be pursued. 
And if you go to God's word, you're not going to get very far in the New Testament and frankly in the Old Testament because mm-hmm. we've been looking at this as we've gone through Genesis and now Exodus and anywhere in the Old Testament, God's heart for the nations all through Scripture. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not a New Testament thing where all of a sudden God's like, well, I guess I'll care about more people than just the Israelites. Like, God has been all along been seeking to save the nations and draw many people to himself um, from every nation, tribe, and tongue. And so, but yeah, you're, you, you can't read very much Bible without, um, and if this is really the heart of God, without seeing God's heart for, uh, you know, the lost sheep, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the prodigal son. You know, there's more rejoicing in heaven over just one who comes to salvation. And so you think about, you know, those of us, again, who, who are the found sheep, who are believers, who are saved, who know the Lord, and who have very clearly, over and over again, like you said, go be my, make disciples. Acts 1, be my witnesses. Mm-hmm. You know, Mark 16, 15, go preach the gospel in all creation. Just over and over again, um, Jesus, just very clearly, I'm going back to heaven. Here's your marching orders. Last thing I'm leaving you. This is why I'm leaving you here. This is why I'm filling you with my Holy Spirit to, to continue the work. Um, and again, I, I've made this analogy many times, and but it just seems very appropriate and very personally um, resonates with me. Is you know, if if I as a as a father, um, God is our our father. Um, and, you know, if you were to tell me, you know, I which <laughs> not to get sacrilegious or whatever here, but like if if your point was to pursue me and live for me and love me. Um, you know, my heart as a father is so much with my children and for my children that you cannot love me and care about me and seek to please me without, uh, caring for my children. And again, we, we Mm -hmm. see this in first John three and, you know, where we read things like, you know, if anyone says they have love for the Lord, but they don't love the brothers, they don't love the church, they don't love others. They're deceiving themselves. They're 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 a liar. They they don't actually love the Lord. And so, time and time again, we see what it looks like to love God is to love His people, is to love, is to love the lost, is to love those who God has a heart for, who God is saying, you know, I desire that none should perish, all should reach mm-hmm. repentance. But how are they going to be saved unless someone's preaching, unless someone's telling them, I'm sending you. You know, mm-hmm. how beautiful are the feet of those totally. who are sent? And so. Yeah, to your point, I just, I think you, getting maybe a little off topic, but this whole idea of monasticism of, you know, I I just, yeah, focusing on on God or or myself or whatever really seems to to miss the point. And, Mm -hmm. you know, somebody could make the case that, um, to play devil's advocate, that, um, you know, the, the existence of these kinds of monastic communities in and of themselves is such a countercultural witness, you know, think about, again, Matthew 5, our, our calling to be light and salt in the world, um, that, you know, light shines uh, brightest in, in, in the darkness and, and that, um, you know, perhaps there, there is some role. And, and, and obviously God in his sovereignty can, can use even our failed attempts at pleasing him um, for his own glorious purposes. But, um, you know, to me, like you, Thad, mm-hmm. I, I don't. I'm not sure that it justifies it. I'm not sure I buy the 
this sort of sympathetic argument, the the uh, devil's advocate argument. But you know, you could try and make the case that well, these these countercultural sort of pockets of monasticism are are this stark, you know, kind of. Uh, witness countercultural witness that you know even even if they're not directly engaging and, and engaging with the the surrounding world it's a witness to that world that when they they see they hear about these communities maybe they you know they they encounter them in some off the beaten pathway or whatever that they have to reckon with it they have to they ha- they're forced to think through okay what what would lead someone to live a life like that where yeah. you know they literally mm-hmm. they they sp- speak to other people for 30 minutes a day and then the rest of the or whatever and and uh so maybe there's a case to be made there um and i i should say just in in the vein of being sympathetic as well we probably maybe should have even started with the acknowledgement that there are very different types of monasticism Mm -hmm. you know like if you and i'm not by any means an expert on this i'm thinking back to my church history days in divinity school and um, but I, I just I do know that there are very different expressions and experiences mm-hmm. and manifestations of, of monana, monasticism, and uh, I'll use that as a segue. I just and then I'll I'll be done. But I, I I always you know maybe it's the preacher in me always wants to make it relevant to us today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what what practical relevance does this question have for us today? And uh, sure. probably the the most interesting of the articles I was reading through and preparing for this podcast topic was by um, Thibite Anyabwile uh, for the Gospel Coalition uh, nine or ten years ago. He wrote an article really comparing the direction of modern-day evangelicalism, the, the, the path we're on, to a lot of the monastic uh, movement of whatever, you know, centuries ago. And I thought it was really fascinating. He, he highlighted sort of four things that he sees, four trends that he sees happening in American evangelicalism that really worry him that look a lot like, hmm. you know, uh, medieval monasticism. And it's the, the privatization of the faith, uh, the uh, escapism from the world. Uh, thirdly, um, the, the sort of over-hyper-emphasis uh, um, on on the good works as a mean as a end unto themselves, not as a mean to, but the good works for the sake of good works, and then lastly, um, the sort of um, uh, unbiblical ways of thinking about leadership and sort of hierarchy there. So, mm-hmm. just really quickly to on those, you know, and, and and it's interesting. Different again, the different camps and forms of monasticism resonate with one or more of these but you know when we think about monasticism a lot of us that what we initially think of is like you said is that sort of privatization about the of the faith i mean mm-hmm. you know 90 percent of your day might be spent just in my sort of quiet time with me and god but then it, you think about how much of you know in today's protestant christianity how much of our uh, of an emphasis do we put on, you know, if we ask somebody, you know, how, how, how's your walk with the Lord going or something like that? You know, the first thing we're going to go to is quiet time. your quiet time. It's yeah. like, that's how we gauge, well, you know, how many minutes a day do I spend in my, my quiet time or whatever? Sure. And it's, again, it's this focus on me and Jesus. And that, that's not to say that, you know, obviously the Lord wants us to spend time in his word. He wants us to spend time in prayer mm-hmm. with him. But, um, you know, as, as you said, uh, uh our faith is is uh, is personal, but it's not private. It's it's meant to be a corporate experience, and so, you know, we should be looking at, um, you know, how, 
I mean, if we're, if we're thinking about how, how is my walk with the Lord, I mean, we, we should be thinking about things like my life group involvement, my church attendance, my mm-hmm. service, my, you know, where I volunteer and serve and, and, and give back. I mean, these are the, uh, just as mm-hmm. much markers of, of spiritual maturity and health. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, number, the number two thing, the escapism from the world, that's where, you, you know, again, some of us think about, when we think about monks, we think about like the desert fathers who mm-hmm. were known for like going out into the desert, kind of John the Baptist-esque, um, but even more like just totally unplugging from the world, not talking to people. I remember reading stories in church history of, I can't, who was the guy who like stood up on the pillar? You remember that? He like built a column and like literally for, some crazy, you know, 20 hours a day would just stand on this top of this pillar and wow. just, why? I, I don't know. I mean, just <laughs> like to, to as, as, I guess, to be totally separated and uh, maybe even as a visual, like I'm, I'm closer to God because I'm, you know, out here and I don't know. But that kind of escapism from the world, you think about, what so much of what we hear in the in the church today, um, uh, just how much we poo-poo the world around us and the it's cult- us versus them. Yeah, it's the us versus them mentality, and the cultures going to hell in a handbasket, and yeah. and we just need to boycott everything. Mm-hmm. And um, and again, I I always just come back to the the reminder that um, there was a group of a sect of Judaism like that in Jesus's day, the Essenes, who went out to the caves in Qumran and they they said, you know, this surrounding Roman culture has just gotten so debased. We can't have anything to do with it. We can't even trade and, and exist in it. We've got to go and live by ourselves out in the caves. And um, Jesus wasn't an Essene. You know, like mm-hmm. Jesus Jesus could have said, yeah, that's that's the way we're supposed to practice the faith and really love God. But that's that's not who he was. He, and he yet didn't. he was found with tax collectors and prostitutes. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And, and the flip the side of that is Jesus did withdraw to remote places. Uh, you know, Jesus would go to the other side of the lake to be alone and pray. Jesus would go to the other side of the mountain to be alone and pray. So he would do monastic types of things, as we should too. But but uh, that was not, you know, all-day, everyday experience for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, won't, I won't go into depth on the others, but the, the Augustinian Franciscan sort of orders of doing good. So there, there are... Uh, expressions of monasticism where it really is about, you know, we're going to move into the city and we're going to transform. We're going to roll our sleeves up. We're going to do a lot of good. You know, you see a lot of churches like that too, though. That was the Mm -hmm. B-Day's point was, you know, um, some churches go to the opposite extreme. You've got the conservative Bible thumpers who you can't have anything to do with the world. And then you've got the others who, you know, we got to go transform the world and, you know, and, and, um, and, but it, it really seems to become all about, you know, their good deeds. And it's almost sort of like a, borderline, um, uh, not <laughs> the, uh, the Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, you know, gr- saved by grace through faith. It's, it, it, it starts to feel like, you know, it's, it's up to us and um, our own good deeds. And then lastly, the Benedictine order and just, you know, the emphasis on um, hierarchy and, and churches and, and leadership and authority and things like that. We've all seen that get crazy and people's platforms and how power and influence is is used in the church and um, as opposed to kind of like we're talking about this past Sunday with um, real movements of God include others Mm -hmm. and they're egalitarian in the sense that everyone's got a role to play and um, and uh, again you don't 
there there is there seems to be almost inherent in monasticism this sort of this sort of us mm-hmm. versus them this kind of um, uh, you know uh, you're either in with us and the community and in, even if you are there's like you know the monks have their various you know super monks that they report to and are discipled by and so mm-hmm. there's kind of this mm-hmm. ladder you're trying to climb and and it's not about you know how do, how do you how do you experience the first Peter four ten like is each of you has gotten a gift, mm-hmm. use it to serve. Like, yeah, some of those things, like you said, mm-hmm. expressions that we see in the church, it just would be anomalous in a mm-hmm. monastic community. So, mm-hmm. I mean, for all of those reasons, to me, I, I want to view it not just as a historical, interesting podcast topic, like, you know, how should we think about these monks or whatever, mm-hmm. but like today, how do we see some of these same um, thought mm-hmm. thought. Uh, processes and tendencies Great question. Um, toward privatization of the faith or escapism from the world and these kinds of things showing up in our own hearts and our own ex- mm-hmm. uh, camps of Christianity and, and where do we need to fight against that and then where do we need to say you know the truth somewhere in the middle mm-hmm. we need to balance that you know that, that there is a room for pietism and for personal mm-hmm. holiness and the pursuit of that um, but you know keeping that in check with again calls to be communal in faith with others and to be missional to be reaching out to be other outward focused mm-hmm. you know not just to be so focused on your own personal holiness that you forget like you mm-hmm. said this this great calling this great commission that Jesus has left us with to love others and that's what it means to love God is to is to mm-hmm. serve him and to yeah. to seek to save the lost so here you're saying there's good and bad mm-hmm. for sure in all in all of that um, I like the Got Questions article that this is not to say that no good has come from monks or nuns who dedicated their lives to pious pursuits. Some, such as Brother Lawrence, left profound writings that can be of aid to the Christian walk. Others, advances in science, good works, mm-hmm. good deeds, like so much, so much good yep. came out of this. And uh, other things that we can apply to our Christian yeah, life. Yeah, I, right I have, I have two, yeah. two challenges. Things that we can learn from monastic lifestyle so um the idea of silence and the idea of solitude uh donald whitney uh he wrote a book spiritual disciplines for the christian life and he defines those two like this the discipline of silence is the voluntary and temporary abstinence of speaking so that a certain spiritual goal might be sought and solitude is the voluntary and temporarily withdrawing to privacy for spiritual purposes. And I have five quick things that we can do by pursuing after silence and solitude. And the first is to be like Jesus, that Matthew 4, 1, led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Matthew 14, 23, that he dismissed the crowds and he went up to the mountain by himself to pray alone. Mark 1.35, rising early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and he went out to a desolate place and prayed. Lastly, Luke 4.42, that he departed and went to a desolate place. That we see Jesus modeling this idea of for a period of time withdrawing, a period of solitude, a period of silence. That first we can, we can be like Jesus in doing that. Second, we can use it to minimize distractions in prayer. That as we seek to withdraw, not necessarily to the wilderness, not necessarily to a prayer closet, but finding a way to find solitude so that we can remove distractions, so we can pray to our Heavenly Father. 
thirdly, as an act of worship, Zephaniah 1.7 says, be silent before the Lord, mm-hmm. that we can worship in silence, that we can sit before God in silence and in solitude and trust that he is going to continue working even while we are sitting there still by ourselves Fourth, to be physically and spiritually restored. Mark 6.31, Jesus said, Come away by ourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. That it's a good thing to remove yourself, to rest physically, to rest spiritually and trusting in the Lord that he is going to work. Time alone with God should bring refreshment to us. Mm-hmm. Lastly, to seek the will of God. Luke 6, 12 and 13 says, In these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And one day came, he called his disciples, and he chose from them twelve, whom he named apostles, that when we're desiring the Lord's will for our life and we're unclear that It is a good thing to remove ourselves, to be silent, to be secluded, to pray. That doesn't mean we shouldn't seek others to pray for us, to give us counsel, but that we can seek God's will. Um, And although the idea of silence and solitude might, might make us uncomfortable, like if there's people around and we're all quiet, it's like, is someone going to say something? Is someone going to do something? Yeah. But it's in those moments where we can truly seek God and we can truly trust him. So, as Will said, there, there's good things that we can learn from this. That mm-hmm. it's, it's a good spiritual discipline for us to be silent, for us to seek solitude. But not forever, for mm-hmm. a temporary period of time. Mm-hmm. It's good. good. Be missional monks. Missional monks. Missional monks. In your personal holiness, pursuit of the Lord you know, mm-hmm. some of those disciplines, mm-hmm. but but never forgetting the purpose is not just a self-serving mm-hmm. one. It's for yeah. the sake of that building the kingdom. Mm-hmm. So. Amen. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Ask the Pastors. Remember that you can submit your questions by visiting the info bar at West Hills or by asking them online through our website at www.westhillsstl.org. Don't forget to join us next week where we address the question, why do Catholics pray to Mary and the saints? And are those prayers heard by God or is it idolatry? If you enjoyed this week's episode, hit that like button, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Thank you so much for listening. Catch you next week.